Like many of you, we battled depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the one thing that we could rely on to get us through the tough times that we all face. Follow us on our journey as we discuss the healing power of music, interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and more. This is the When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast with Blake Mosley and James Cox. And now, the When Words Fail Music Speaks interview. A dystopian thriller published by UK's Unbound writing as Spalding Taylor. That's her ghostwriter name. Um, and two Amazon categories bestsellers with Worley House Press. Uh, she's a ghostwriter and editor and and a performer as she as she has been playing cello. Uh, so we are excited to have Miss Alice McVeigh. How are you doing today, Alice? I'm doing great, and I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you for asking. Great. Well, uh, thank you for for finding us because um I don't know if my listeners know of Podmatch.com. <laughs> But uh, Miss Alice here uh, requested an interview, and we are so glad to give this, give you an interview, and and we are so glad you're here. Um, Thank uh, you. But I'm interested in in uh, what brought you to. I mean, what made you say, okay, I would like to contact us when word fail. That that was very easy. Um, okay. I'm trying to publicize my most recent books because, as you rightly said. <clears throat> Sorry, I've had a bit of cold. Yeah, Forgive my voice. Um, um, uh, as you rightly said, I started off as a writer very high up uh, with Orion Hatchet. And Hatchet is one of the big five publishers. So I started off at the top. Um, I sent off my first novel in my 30s. I'm in my 50s now, by the way. Um, in my 30s to a couple of agents thinking nothing would happen. Anyway, what happened was the third agent I... I approached, said yes, and before I knew it, I had a top publisher. So I was very, very, very lucky. I was a lucky bunny, and I, I still can't believe I was quite so lucky. Anyway, so what happened then was not quite so good, which was because I got really depressed. Um, my first novel went great, and I saw the film rights. Sorry, they saw the film rights. I'd had nothing to do with it. Uh, it didn't amount to a film, but I still got paid for it. It was amazing. And my book, my first book, my first novel reached number 35 in the whole of the UK. And I thought, I'm not alive. I thought, I'm dreaming this. Anyway, but after that, everything came unstuck. And and uh, what happened was I got very depressed because after my second novel was published, it went well. Uh, not quite as well as the first, but still very well. Um, I got very depressed because uh, I couldn't have a baby. And I was desperate to have a baby, and I was almost too late to have a baby. Anyway, so then what happened was I couldn't finish my third novel, so Orion got fed up with me, and they fired me um, because I couldn't deliver my third novel. And then, amazingly, I had my baby. So I've got my baby. Uh, she's now in her 20s, All right. uh, early 20s, and she's amazing. And I'm a very, very, very fortunate bunny because not only did I have my baby, but I, you know, she was everything I wanted. So basically, that kind of started my career in a weird way. So I started off with a bang, and then with a with a whimper. So it kind of went wrong, <laughs> but then it went right, and I was so happy to have my daughter. I didn't care really about the the bad part of it, but as time went on, 
I should probably say that I started off as a cellist. Um, I'm, I'm trained as a cellist. I'm a very good cellist. I'm a professional cellist. I played with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and the BBC Symphony Orchestra. And before I had my baby and before I even thought about writing books, um, I was playing cello and I still play cello. As a matter of fact, I'm really nervous because next week, oh, no. next week, I'm here to tell you, next week I'm playing the Elgar Cello Concerto with the Bromley Symphony Orchestra. And I haven't played a cello concerto for about five years because I'm really an orchestral player and not a solo player. So this is kind of a big deal and I'm kind of going, I'm doing it tomorrow. I'm doing it next week. So this is kind of yeah. exciting. But anyway, uh, you wanted me to tell you about music. So where, where music, the reason why the reason why I approached you was, A, um, I've been really lucky with podcasts. I've, 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 just last week, I spoke to about a million people in, in on an Indian radio station. I kind of got into podcasts. But what appealed to me about you, to be honest, was the title, because, because where words fail me, that's kind of the story of my life, really, because I'm a chalice mm. and I adore music, and music is where I, I've always felt most comfortable. But where words fail me, that I, I had to... I had to reach out to you. That's why. Nice, nice. Well, we we are honorably um, like delighted that you came with us, came uh, and searched for Thank us. You. And so it's a good, good, good idea coming to um, you know us talking to you and you talking to us. But um, let's go back because I, I want to hear about your whole life, really. Um, so I found out that you wrote that you that you're a science fiction novelist. Is that correct? All right. Yes, I have. I, I, I'm, I'm not your. If anybody wants advice, they shouldn't follow my advice because <laughs> what I've done is exactly the opposite to what everyone says. What they say is pick a genre, decide you're a science fiction novelist, and stick to it, or decide you're writing historical fiction and stick to it. I haven't done that. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. Instead, instead, what I've written is exactly what I feel like writing at that point in time, and because I don't write for a living, because my husband is wealthy. And because um, I don't need to write for money, I write whatever I, I really want to write. So, yes, I read a science fiction book. It's won a number of awards, and I'm very proud of it. But I didn't write it under my own name. I didn't write it under Alice McVeigh because, right. to be honest, um, there's stuff in it that would really upset people who, who read my other books, which are very straight-laced. So there's sex in it. There's some violence in it. Um, and I didn't want to upset them. So I wrote it with my middle names. So my real name is Alice Spalding Taylor McVeigh, mm. and I wrote it under Spalding Taylor. So, okay, yeah, because that, that was one of my other questions of like, why did you take on the ghostwriter name and answer that perfectly? Mm. Um, so, did you all. So we, we just had Halloween um, yesterday, and I'm sure you did too, because some countries celebrate it. A month before us, absolutely. We're in America, so we, uh, for us, it's October thirty-first. So, uh, so what did you do for Halloween, and what is your favorite science fiction uh, movie, or or do you have one? Because I mean, not a lot of because um, because some people, some like novel writers or like musicians, don't ever, you know, have um, favorite of of the genre that you write of. I, is, is that true for that, you? Or? That, is, that is so unbelievably sensitive of you. Because, to be honest, I'm not really a, a film person. I'm a, I'm a writer person. So 
so I love Stephen King, and I would say his horror stuff would probably be my favorite science fiction, mm-hmm. but I don't watch it, and I don't watch it for a very good reason, which is that I'm very easily influenced. And if I watch something really scary, then I may not sleep for a week. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit too um, oversensitive in that yeah. way. Um, I'll also tell you a funny story. I mean, I'm American, obviously. Yeah. I was born in, well, I wasn't born in America. I was born in Korea. Yeah. Uh, but I am. I was born American. My father was an American diplomat. I'm, you can tell by my accent I'm American. <laughs> but the point is, the point is that that uh, uh, that Halloween meant a lot to us when we were growing up. And yes. you can see by my hair, yeah. I was always a witch. Yes, I was always a witch. A oh, witch was me, and I just loved it. But I, I got, I got really, I got really upset about it when I heard about people putting stuff and lacing stuff in. In people's things, yeah, and so yeah. what I did when, when my when my only child, as I only had one one child, unfortunately, um, my my daughter was, and she said, "Oh, I want to go trick or treating," and I said, "Gosh, a British people don't go trick or treating, and b some of them don't approve of it for religious reasons." So I went around the whole neighborhood, and I said, "Will you please, 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 please accept my daughter and her her friends on Halloween?" And I gave them the the the, the stuff, and that's how we did it. Right. Well, I'll, well, I'm gonna tell you a funny story about me, me and Halloween. Um, yeah. So my my favorite uh, Halloween movie is 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 a uh, Friday the Thirteenth, right? But my least favorite of all time, still is to this day, is is, is Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy yeah. Krueger freaked me out, right? So my mom was was wanting to get us a dog. She wasn't sure that we were we were you know willing to have a dog and take care of it, right? So uh, she said, "If you could sleep, cause, because after I watched that movie, I'd I'd stay in the, the the bed forever, right?" And uh, she she said, "If you can sleep on your own for two weeks, we'll get you a dog." And two weeks later, we had a dog. You know, so I I had to get over. Oh, right that there. is so lovely! Yeah. I'm so glad you got the dog. That is so yeah, cool. Yeah. So out of I'm so cute. So out of fear, so oh, I mean, I, I I had to get over the fear of Freddy coming after me, and. Lo and behold, we got our first dog whiskers. So yeah, so that's awesome. So I'm yeah. So I mean, Halloween, like that's the only movie that that I was really really frightened. So yeah. Um, but my favorite is Friday the Thirteenth. I don't know why. It just is. You know, it's something about Jason really gets gets me going. You know, so that's awesome. No, I do get that, and I do understand. A lot of people get very excited about films. For some reason, I never really have. The, the first film that really appealed to me was Gone with the Wind, and I yes. couldn't get it out of my head. And to this day, it's one of my favorite films. It's just, it just speaks to me. I don't know why. And I know there are lots of reasons why it shouldn't. It's not, it's not politically correct. It's unfair on, on the whole, the whole, um, uh, uh, the whole, uh, civil war thing. Mm-hmm. It's not right. But at the same time, I thought she was so amazing. He was so amazing. And, you know, he wasn't, he had to be talked into it. Everybody said, you must be Rhett Butler. And he was going, no, I can't face it. It's <laughs> oh, no. too serious. I can't do it. And he was going, no. And they say, yeah, anyway, he was amazing. So that's where I am with that. But um, I'm not really a film buff. I'm more of a reading person. Nice. And also, as I hope we're going to talk about, I'm I'm passionately keen on music. Yes, and it are. seems to me that you, what you're, the reason why, why you spoke to me so much even before I met you 
and I do feel a connection between us, which is wonderful, is that um, is that where words fail, words do fail. Music time. can speak. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping to to access next week when I play the Elgar Cello Concerto. The Elgar Cello Concerto is so amazing because it's all about the um, Elgar's pain uh, at his at the deaths of all of his friends in World War One, so it's it's just deeply moving. It's like one of these war films. I don't know if you're into war films, but a lot of guys are. In fact, a lot of women are. And um, and it just seems to me that it's that music has got something to say that is unique and personal. Yes. And that that to me is part of the reason why why I can't give it up. I I should give it up because I've got. I love to do with all my writing, but I can't. There's something inside me that, even from a very early age, just said, "This is what you're meant to do," which is, which is play music. Yes, yes. You know exactly. You understand that completely, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, there's something in there. I mean, like, okay, so, hmm, I don't know if I should bring this up now or later in the interview because I have I have other questions for you. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll come back to that one because it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hard hard uh subject to talk about. But okay, so what I want to know from you is uh is um uh so when did you find music or did music find you in some kind of way? Because I know like everybody finds music or music just you know I mean I mean music called you of course, but what? What I'm really asking is, what is your first memory of hearing music for the first time? If you can, <laughs> that's that's quite easy for me, okay. really, because that's... I was at once very privileged and very deprived as a child. Um, I was privileged in that. I mean, people say I was deprived. People just laugh at me because we had servants, we had tennis courts, we had clubs. Um, I grew up in Asia as a diplomatic American family. My grandfather was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. My father was a diplomat. I was very, very, very privileged. But there was no music oh. because where we where we were was in was in places like Bangkok and Singapore and Burma. And when I said I wanted to learn the cello, and it said I wanted to learn the cello because my father kept playing cello on his uh, you're too young to realize this. You're way too young to understand. This. But he had he had a record player, you know, with records. He used to play these records anyway, and he kept playing these records of Rostropovich, who is the great cellist, um, uh, the Russian cellist, playing the Dvorak. And I was saying, that's what I'm going to do. And he was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the point is that um, that I grew up loving music, but frustrated because the only music I could actually do was on a really tinky-tonk piano, which is all we had in Singapore. We didn't even have that in Burma. We had nothing in Burma. So basically, I was deeply frustrated. And the only part that made me feel good about coming back to America, because I was very upset about coming back to America, was that I could learn the cello. So I was 13. I was way too old. But I knew I wanted to play the cello. So the cello had always spoken to me. And music, in many ways, had always spoken to me. My father was very keen on music. So was my mother. But neither of them actually played music. They just played it on the record player. So, but what was funny was they had three kids, and two out of three of us became professional musicians. So that is weird. Yeah, my next. My what next... about you, though? What about you? You're about to tell me. Me, me. Um, 
where did I, where, where was my first yeah. memory? Missing? Where did it start speaking to you? Oh, speaking to me. Um, yeah, that, okay. So, well, let, let's talk about it right now. I, I was going to bring it up in a, in a while, but, uh, okay. So, okay. I, I read, no, 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 it's, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, so I read that this was going to be a relatively hard subject to talk about, but needed, okay? Because not many, a lot of people, you're not like talking about the subject, but I feel like you and I can have a have a good conversation about it. Suicide. Now, when you wrote to me, uh, you said you were suicidal, um, in some kind of way. I was too. Okay, but when I heard, um, I forgot. Well, I shouldn't have forgotten the song, but uh, there's many, many songs that I heard that brought me right out of that suicide thought, you know. Not, I wasn't thinking about doing it. I, I thought, well, what if I did it? Who would miss me? You know, you go through all those questions a lot, lot and you're like, well. Absolutely, well, yes. Especially when you're a teenager. Right, yeah, and I yes. was a teenager. I completely got yes. that, yes. yes. And, yes. and you're like, well, if I go, who who would miss me? You know, I, I, my parents, obviously, you know, my uncles, and but who else? You know, who who other and my parents and then my immediate family that would really, really miss me, you know? And yes. I was like, damn, I don't want to, I don't want to leave them, you know, because, you know, because I bring, I bring some kind of joy to them, I, 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 you know, obviously. And I think, I thought that, uh, you know, there, there might be millions out there just waiting to hear, like, what what I think about them, you know, how how dare I take my own life and, and, and deprive them of that. So that's, you know, that's my you know, story about that. That that, yeah. that was me at 13. Yeah. I completely okay. get that. Yeah, but see, there's... I completely get that. And you know, I think most sensitive people do come to that at some point right. in their lives yeah. and hopefully get over it as, as, as we are. I think, but all... still, you don't, you never forget it. Do you? No, no. Cause there's been many, many times where, so I have depression. I'm not sure if I, I told you that or, well, I'm, I'm sure I told like many other people now, but uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, it, there. There's some chemical, like when you hear music, it sends and I guess endorphins to your brain and makes you feel happier, you know. And some 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 songs, I can't explain how it makes me feel. It's so powerful yeah. and deep to ingrain my soul. I'm like, I really really want you to know what what I'm thinking about right now, but I really really can't do it. No. So yeah. No. So. And yet, and yet, if mm -hmm. you if you could put it into a song, or if you could name a song that would tell you what you're thinking about right now, mm -hmm. that would express it to me. Yes. Right. Yeah. And yet, I find you very expressive. Anyway, your eyes are so expressive. Your face is so expressive. You're like an actor. You're. I. I, I find that extraordinarily expressive. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's in a way as expressive as making music. And I also feel that music itself, I think that the, the that people underestimate how important it is to actually open yourself to music. Yes. And I sense that you've got that completely. So if you could explain that to other people, that might be really helpful. Yeah. Because what I'm what I'm always trying to get people to understand is that it's not Oh my God, that person plays really fast. Or oh, oh wow, that's that's amazing. You know that that's really high. Instead, it's it's not that. It's it's what the music is trying to say to you, 
and what the music is trying to say to you is often much deeper as your as your as your name of the podcast suggests than the music itself and in other words what i feel so passionately about the music is that and i've been trying to put i'm trying so hard to put this into words with regard to this concerto i'm playing next week which as i say is a big ass because i'm not as young as i was and it's a very hard concerto but basically i'm i'm excited about it and at the same time nervous about it but in other words what music is saying is deeper than music it's even deeper than music yeah yeah um i tell you a song that really gets me going you know um have you heard of the band called the dead deads yeah they're great they're great my nephew loves them yes they're, okay okay so for anybody who's listening or watching this there are three girl three female group and they're really i, I met daisy um she came to columbia south carolina and took a picture i need to upload it too but uh they had this one song that's not on their studio album it's on their live cd called santa being the being me up okay so every time i listen to that song it brings me back to the good days where my uncle Mike was still living, and every year we went to you know because because my dad's a retired colonel, you know, and we always came down down to Sumter, South Carolina, to be Christmas time with my uncle um Mike and and, and Ginger, and that song instantly reminds reminded me of him right, and I cried, I cried not one time, twice I I'm like. This cannot, you know, I, 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 there's no way I can cry again. Sure enough, yes. I played it again, and boom, pouring Absolutely. down, pouring down. Yeah, so that I today, I'm like, I really don't want to listen to it, but I kind of do. But if I do, I'll start to tear up, you know. And I, it, I, I like, I like crying, but it's like I don't want to do it all the time when I when I listen to the song, you know. So that yeah, that really I get that. Back, I yeah. get that. But I think what you're telling me is something incredibly valuable, which is that the the connotations of the song, the the feeling of the song, and what lies behind the song is so personal to you. Yes. That that's you know, it's it's like we have this program in Britain called Desert Island Discs, and um, you're al- you're allowed to imagine that you're shoved on a, a desert island, and you can only take ten songs. And you've got to choose those ten songs, and that is one of your ten songs. That is and the reason is, song. it matters so much yes. to you. Yes. And at the end of Desert Island, this they always say, "Which one song would be the one song yeah. that you would take with you if all the rest were drowned?" Right. And yes. you have to choose that one song. And I just think what you're telling me is something incredibly valuable. Thank so, you. so, so you're you're very welcome. So now that you said that, what's your one song that you would bring on on a on the on a desert island? Since you you know mentioned that, yeah, just well, one song or do I'm, you have I'm like biased a... at the moment. <laughs> I'm one of these people. I'm one of these people probably because I'm one of those sort of scatty people that's always all around the place. Yeah. And so people say to me, you know, you're a writer, you're a cellist. What are you? And I go, I'm all over the place. But basically, um, because I'm so concentrated on the Elgar, I would probably pick the Elgar at this point. But it does depend. Yeah. Sorry, I've got a cold, so I keep, oh, that's okay. I keep yeah. Um, but basically, um, I probably picked the Elgar Cello Concerto Movement One, um, as played by Jacqueline Dupre, and Jacqueline Dupre, as you know, is dead. But but um, but she uh, was the um, British cellist mm. before I came to this country, and um, I came here to study with her. <laughs> at 
and then she died. So it was all oh. really sad. Oh no! Uh, but she was. She's the most. If you want to, if you want to hear the old guard, Charlie Congenital. If you're, if you're listening, want to hear the Charlie Congenital, they they want to hear it by Jacqueline Dupre. Uh, Dupre is two different words. D U P R E, and and just Google it. My um my co-host who is so sorry to, he he couldn't be here today. Yes, I'm really sorry he's not here yeah. because I've heard several of your episodes. Yeah, but it's lovely just to have us because in a, in a funny sort of way it makes it a little bit more personal. But it does, on. it does. But um he he asked a great question that that I had no idea who was talking about right. So he asked if you were by like lo and behold you know I mean I just never I I, I pray to God this never happens to anybody, but if you were in a coma. Which song or album would instantly bring it back to you? And the reason why he asked that was he watched Stranger Things. He's a big fan of Stranger Things. And that was one of the questions he asked. My answer always changes, you know, because my first answer was The Misfits, the American Psycho album. And then my second answer was anything by the band Tool. You know? Band Tool? Tool. T-O-O-L. They're great. I'll, um, I'll look them up. Yes, they must be amazing. Yes, they are. They they only come up with, with album. So the Misfits was the first, and Band Tool is. Tool, yes, ma'am. Yeah, and uh, that I, is so cool. And I'll, 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 well, I will look them. I, mean, I will look them up because I'm sure I will like them. Yes. Um. No. I. I mean. I. I don't know. I mean. Yeah. That's I hard think that if, if you are if you are a musician, it things are colored by your own perspective. Things are colored by by how you played them. Or how you didn't play them, or how you wanted to play them. So if you are a performer, then your own perspective is kind of skewed. Um, so I don't know. That's difficult. But I will look up and do that. Sounds amazing. So um, um, when when I was researching you, uh, it said that I I found out you that you lived you visited forty four countries, but lived in three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's very odd. I was I didn't intend to. I'm not. I'm not a good flyer, I'm not that good flyer. Um, and yet I, I was born basically in the air because I was I was born in South Korea and then less than six months afterwards my parents got moved back to America. So I don't know anything about South Korea, that's just yeah. where I was born. Oh, no, yeah. But, but uh, I was born in the air and I've flown my entire life and I still hate it. Oh God, how much oh. I hate it. I basically got to, got to um, have all kinds of tranquilizers before I can get into the air. Right, yeah, oh, but yeah, basically, yeah. yes, I have been in 44 countries. And the reason for that is is mostly because I, I played for some years in the BBC Symphony in the World Philharmonic and we traveled around. So that was how come I got to play in Mexico, right. as well as Japan, as well as all over Asia, as oh, well as yeah. every single capital of Europe in, it, in the EU, uh, because the World Philharmonic went on tour. We hit every capital. The Royal Philharmonic Orchestra hit every capital, so I can say I'm in Finland, but I was only in <laughs> Finland for like three days, so oh, it doesn't no. count. I don't think I don't think it really counts. Oh, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. But uh, in terms of living in countries, I lived in, in Asia when I was very young, and I did love it. And then I lived in America for seven years, and then I've lived in London ever since, except I've been touring for the orchestra. So. Yeah. I would love to, to to visit Japan before I uh, I uh, go to Japan is amazing. Oh yeah, that's why here it's like it's amazing, awesome over there. Yeah, and not just Tokyo. You must go around a little bit. My my daughter um, dated a Japanese boy, and uh, she went around places I always wanted to go. I've only been to Hiroshima, uh, Fuji, something or other, and Tokyo with orchestras. But she's been everywhere, and it was beautiful. 
So out of 44 countries, not, not ex- excluding the ones you lived in, yeah. according to your your uh, your adventures, what country would have the most different kind of mu- music? Or like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Because each country has their own. Oh, that's of, so hard! Of, I'm yeah. I just wish I just wish I knew more about the music. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to change your yeah. change your question a bit and just say. That if I had to pick one country, yes. it would be the country that I have a second home in, which is not Greece, but Crete. Crete is the biggest island in Greece. And I live there part of the year. And what I love about Crete is the independence of the people. They wish to be Cretans, not Greeks. And their music is different from Greek music. And they're very independent people. They're very passionate, very powerful. They're very, I don't know what it is about them. It's just amazing, but you would love it. Yeah. And its climate is not perfect. People often think, oh, wow, why do you live in Crete all year round? Well, because if I was there now, it would be raining. It would rain from now until February. But basically, after that, it gets really cool. I mean, it gets cool in the sense that it's hot. And so basically, it's really lovely. And I I feel this deep affinity with Crete. And when I die, and I've told my husband this, when I die, I want my ashes scattered there and not here or in America. I want them scattered. So where are you at right now, like physically? Are, I'm in are, London. London, okay, okay, perfect. Yeah, because I, because I've interviewed um several bands that 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 are are based in London and they're so nice. They're, um, well, London is is just a center of music, and if I was in yeah. a band, especially a pop band or right, a rock yeah, band, yeah. I would definitely be here. Yeah. Um, but as a classical player, I don't know, probably America. Yeah. To be honest, um, or maybe, or maybe Japan. We were talking about, that. Um, <laughs> yeah. but 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 so, but yes. When I was growing up, and I wanted to play the cello, I was very frustrated because I couldn't. Mm. Because in all of Singapore, there wasn't a single cello that was small enough for me to play. So I was small. Mm. And when I was in Burma, uh, now Myanmar, there was no cello at all. Mm. So I started the cello really late, and I started my career really late from that perspective. But um, but yeah, if I was in a band, oh, I'd be in London. London. London is such a such an open place. It's always been. This is the great thing about London. This is why I think the Beatles happened yeah, in Britain. I think I think everything just you know it's got this 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 complete anything goes, um, and I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, since you mentioned the Beatles, um, okay, so my mom really loves Elvis. You know, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I've got a friend who loves Elvis. Not, yeah, not, she's got a she's got a big portrait of him in her. Oh, no, right. well, my mom loves her too. Um, yeah, but uh, my my mom f- fell in love with Elvis. Not many people can beat him, right? But then I had my aunt Molly, which which is past now. Um, oh, and, I'm sorry. And, and she, oh, that yeah, that's I, I mean, I mean, being her really really clicked, you know. But her favorite band of all time, all time, was the Beatles. You know, and I and I love the Beatles a little bit. Little bit more than Elvis, you know, not not to not to too private my mom. Oh, I agree. You know? I agree. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah, but there's something. About- I mean, I I, lo- I love Elvis, but he was a little bit too in love with himself. <laughs> oh, my mom would would that well, yeah. I get well. I guess he was, you know, because uh, well, he was a big ladies man, you know, swinging the hips and everything. And oh yeah, my mom oh, yeah. loved that. Loved that. She loved that. I I think she saw him in like concert once or twice. But when I when I asked my mom, did did you love the Beatles? She said, "Oh no, Elvis is the king." And I'm like, "Oh my God, mom, you gotta can't, you know?" Yeah, but the Beatles, man, the Beatles are are so near and dear to my heart because of yes. my Aunt Molly. So yeah, so 
and, and, I, and, I, and I understand that you, you love him with Will, you know. I do, definitely. That was part of my life. Yeah. Though I've never forgotten my, my mother not letting me listen to them because she thought they were wicked. And so <laughs> she would say to my sister and me, so, oh, no, that's corrupting. You mustn't listen to them. And yet, one time that I said, I said, no, it was she who said it. Um, <laughs> she said, what an idiotic song. Oh, money no. can't buy me, money can't buy me love. Of course money can buy you love. Money can buy you a dog. <laughs> I completely get that. Because yeah. I adore my dogs. Right. And she's right. Money can buy you a dog. Yeah. And, and what is more loving than a dog? Nothing. Nothing so else. she was completely right about that. Yeah. I love dogs. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a big, a big fan of cats. Cat, I, I'm allergic. Yeah. I'm allergic to cats, so that's why I, you know, can't be around cats. But dogs, man, yeah, they're man's best friend for reason, you know. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Um, okay, so let, let's talk about your um time at the. Well, I'm, I'm. I'm okay. So, do you still play for the London Symphony Orchestra? Uh no. Um, in fact, I never played with London Symphony Orchestra. They're 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 um. I played with the BBC Symphony Orchestra okay. and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Yeah. But these days, um, I'm really a writer, and what I've written is, if anyone's interested, and I'll just give a little plug here, um, I've written books that are supposed to be like Jane Austen, and here they are, boing, boing, boing. <laughs> oh, so okay. these are my two books that are meant to be like Jane Austen, and it's not just me, publisher, Publishers Weekly, so far. Um, the other thing which I've written is sci-fi, and I've written a book sci-fi which i think you would like it'd probably be your favorite books i've written um and this came to me in a in a kind of dream and i thought me write sci-fi i don't even really read sci-fi it's not my kind of thing i'm more um historical fiction like jane austen and and charlotte bronte and stuff anyway so anyway um this thing came to me in a dream and this person came to me and said you have to write about me and and i said I'm not a sci-fi writer. Anyway, I did get a publisher for that. Um, not a major publisher, not major, major like my first publisher, big five publisher, but a good publisher. And so it's published and it's called Last Star Standing. And it's about an independent guy who's Australian and he's indigenous and he is a rebel. And what's happened is it, it's 2094 and uh, aliens have taken over the earth and he's one of the rebels fighting back and when he's not he's not only fighting back against the aliens he's fighting back against himself and that's the interesting part of the book and it's called last star standing and i published it under my middle names mm -hmm. because i was told one um uh, most people who read sci-fi are blokes and they don't want they don't want to read some woman writing sci-fi so I, I picked Spalding Taylor. And the second reason was because it's got sex in it and violence. And people read this, don't yeah. want to read that. So basically, I, I, I was told to keep it separate. So I kept it separate. And I think that was a really good decision, to be honest, because, because I think that even though I can be two different people, it's hard for people to recognize that you're two different people. Yeah. So... Um, so yeah, so I'm really happy with it. It's called Last Star Standing, if anyone's interested. And it came to me very weirdly, as I say, in a kind of dream or trance. I'm not completely sure. And um, this person spoke to me, um, and I had to write about it. Yeah. So I've written one sci-fi, 
I've written two. First of all, I wrote the big five published, really important contemporary fiction. Then I wrote the sci-fi. Then I wrote, now I'm writing uh, historical fiction, which is kind of Jane Austen-esque and very British. So probably not your kind of thing, but you never know. You're quite a subtle sort of chap, aren't you? Well, I, well I, I'm going to tell you right now that everybody loves sci-fi. Those, 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 everybody who says they don't really do, you know, because sci-fi is I like, agree. Sci-fi but is mostly like, men. Right, yes, yes, but so some women do too, you know, so if... if some, yes, if, well, I do, I do, and I, I, have, you, yeah. I completely agree with that, yes. But yeah, I think you have to be kind of, you have to be one of these women who's willing to let go to really like it. Yeah. Otherwise, you go, oh, that's not very polite, or oh dear, he didn't treat her very well. And I just hate people like that. I just think if you're going to enjoy sci-fi, you've got to just let everything go, you know? Yeah. And all of that sort of, that's not right, or that's not very polite, and all that, just has to go out the window. So sci-fi to me is like music also, because you have to have open mind for both. Because when I was yeah. growing up as a teenager, I I loved, loved, loved Metallica. I listened yeah. to it day and night, but bother my mom. It was her fault, though, because she bought me... Uh, the black album from Metallica, so it was all her fault. So <laughs> I, I had that at home. Yeah, but uh, right, but um, uh, but ever since I got, I, I started going to college, my yeah. I started opening up to more and more music. You know, now I love country is my favorite music of of, of all genres. You know, genres. Um, yes. I, I I used to go to Bush Gardens and I, and I used to see. Like Johnny Cash, Barbara Mandrell, Judge, you know. Oakland you saw Wars. Johnny Cash. I don't remember it. My mom says that that my mom says that I, I saw him, but I was like three or four years old. I'm like, how, yeah, how do how do I not know that? Yeah, no, I I never yeah. saw him. Oh, you know him? Yeah, well, I saw him, but I don't remember a thing. You know, I re- I remember I remember everybody else, um, but not him. But <laughs> yeah, ever since college, I started opening up my my mind to more music. You know, rap. Rock, country, yes. metal, jazz. I love jazz. You know, um, I love jazz. Yeah, and uh, and um, and I'm I'm pretty sure you've heard of Apocalyptica. Oh yes, there are four cello cellos. Hello, right? They they are amazing. Awesome, um, amazing. Yeah, awesome yeah. players. Yeah, and 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 awesome performers, mm. and they have such charisma. Yes, yes, yeah, because I. Charisma to die for. And, you know, very often people come to me and say, have you heard of them? I say, how could I not have heard of them? But some people are kind of jealous of them and go, oh, they're not very good. No, they're really good. No, they are. They're really, really good. They're not just cute. They're really, (laughs) really good. Right, because when you take a classical instrument like the cello, which is, you know, prestige on its own, right, and you add... Metal or rock tunes, so it, you you come with a whole new genre. I'm not sure what the genre is called now. Uh, it, it should be like classical metal. I don't. I, I I have no idea what the genre is called, but they are amazing. And any yes, anybody that says they're not, no, they don't know. But you know, I mean, they they they. No, I I agree. With, I agree with you completely. Yeah. No, I think they're wonderful. And I also think it takes such nerve to stand up and play a cello standing up. Yeah. Because playing a cello sitting down is not easy. But playing cello is standing up. It's not the way the cello is meant to be played. Right. But they can do it. They're amazing. They, they do it. But, uh, you know, it just it just blows my my tiny mind how they can do that standing up. Yeah. So yes, I yeah. think it is phenomenal. Nice. Yeah. 
Um, so we got two more questions for you, and then we'll we'll, uh, yeah, we'll let okay. you go. Um, so you play for the BBC BBC Symphony, yes. and I understand that everybody has an audition for that for that big yes. prestigious group. So I have a friend, uh, Kyle Augustine, which plays um, the 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 upright bass for yeah. the, the I um I think it's a Marine band. Or the Air Force, yeah. band, one, you know, one of them prestigious. Um, there are lots of those bands. Yes. There's the Marine band, there's the Navy band, there is the Army oh, there's band. More than that. Yeah, the, yeah, there's yeah. a whole lot of a lot of military bands. Yes, but he said when he auditioned, uh, he came out and the, and he had a tarp in between him and the the um, the people who, who were auditioning them, so that they can see him. Yeah. All they could hear is him playing the bass. Was that the same um, thing for you, or did you like was it like face to face, or did you have like a chart between you and them? There was nothing between myself and the, the uh, cellists I was playing for. Yeah. I was playing for the uh, first few cellists, uh, one, two, and three in the section, and I still remember how nervous I was because <laughs> I was really afraid my bow was going to shake. Um, oh, so no. I took a little <laughs> pill called a beta blocker yeah. a 10 milligram a little pink pill and so my bow didn't shake so I was that oh. was the first time I ever took it and it really worked so I came out on, on walking some of those on clouds going wow I should have had this my whole life um, <laughs> so no I remember that audition really well um, but yes I think that auditions can be difficult and auditions can be scary and I think that you have to have a lot of self-belief to go into that position. Yes. But I, I don't think it's as bad as it is, for example, in the Berlin Philharmonic, where you have to go out on stage and the whole of the Berlin Philharmonic is in front of you, not just a few people, but the whole frigging orchestra. <laughs> and they're all listening yeah. to you. Yes. And I couldn't do that. And I also think in America, I know you're in America, it's uniquely inhumane because I never auditioned in America. I came over to Britain to study with Dupree. And then I only worked in this country, but but um, but I had a friend who auditioned for the Chicago Orchestra, the Chicago Symphony, which is one of the best, as you know, in all of America, on the first violin. And so she walked out there, and she played about two seconds or maybe three seconds, and they said, "Fine, you're in the next round." And the next round, she played about ten seconds. And they said, "Fine, you're in the quarterfinals." And the next round, you played about thirty seconds. I'm not exaggerating. No, no, no. Yeah, and they yeah. said, yeah. and they said next. And what that meant was she was out. Yeah. No, that strikes me as utterly inhumane. Right. And the thing is that American orchestras, especially like the Chicago, they are so inhumane that they allow you about ten seconds or thirty seconds if you're really like, and then that's it. Right. I could not have survived. Some nervous type. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, because like a, my 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 friend Kyle Augustine, he says about like ten or thirty yeah. seconds of all he had, you know. Yep. Either make it or break it, right there. He's like, you know, make it or break and, it. That is it. And I and I don't think he knew uh, that they won in it until like a week after. It might be like days after, but but yeah. the nerve, like I can't imagine the nerves that was going through his whole body. I can imagine the, after the audition to yes. Like, oh, my God, you know, that would, oh, my God, yeah, that that would have shook me to my Having said core. that, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra is amazing. Yes. And I would have I would have been so happy to have played with them. 
and so would my friend. But at the same time, that just seems so wrong. Anyway, but that's the American way. See, what I love about America is they are fast. Yeah. They're yeah. fast. Probably too fast. Way too fast. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, too. maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe a little too fast. We need to slow our roll and just take our time, right? Okay, so we have one more question, and then this might be the hardest question ever that I've asked you tonight. Um, but but I asked you um in the beginning, and I'm I'm sure you picked it up. So my very last question for you, Alice, is uh, is there a band or an artist that you can hear, but you can't tell me or your husband or your friend how it makes you feel? It's so deep inside your soul. Yeah, do you have like a, a band or an orchestra that speaks to a, me? a band or an album? An album, because because some albums are like I can't stop playing this. This is so great from beginning to end. There's a few of them, and my and my favorite albums are Misfits, American Psycho, and a Luke Combs compilation. So that's yeah, that's those are two of my favorite albums that I can't really explain how it makes me feel. Okay, if you had to ask me for an album, yes. I would say, I would say, the original album of West Side Story Ooh. by Bernstein, yeah. because I'm just passionate about that. And I listened when I went over. My father was dying. I went over oh. to America, um, and I listened to the most recent West Side Story film. And yes, it was amazing. In many ways, it was so slick. In many ways, it was even better. But it didn't speak to me the way the first one did. And for me, I would just take that. I would yeah. just take that album. I, would, I just think the first, the original of West Side Story that Bernstein. Yeah. yeah. Perfectly said. I can't compete with that, you know? So that's great. That's great. Um, for anybody who's listening to this uh, audio podcast or YouTube, uh, you can visit Miss Alice McVeigh at Facebook at alice.mcveigh.5. Twitter at, Al at AST McVeigh1, Instagram McVeigh.Alice, or TikTok. We're on TikTok now at Alice McVeigh0. So, yeah. So please visit it's her. Been a, and, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I just want to say. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And yeah. I, I, hope we, I hope we keep in touch. Oh, yeah, please do because I would want you to come back because we, uh, we have a series called Cover Wars. And when, which I, I, I ask you your favorite song, I go out and find two covers of that song. We listen to them, <laughs> we listen to them live, and we decide which one is better or worse or, or equally. So I, I, I hope to God you come back and uh, yeah, let's, let's I would, I would, I would love to do that. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. It's been yes, ma'am. Okay, for everybody else, I will see you next time. And always remember when words fail, music speaks. Bye, guys. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I, 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 I hope we keep in touch. Oh, yeah, please do, because I would want you to come back, because we, uh, we have a series called Cover Wars, and when, yeah. which I, I, I ask you your favorite song, I go out and find two covers of that song. We listen, <laughs> to, them, we listen to them live, and we decide which one is better or worse or, or equally. So I, I, I hope to God you come back and uh, yeah, let's... let's I, would, I, would, I would love to do that. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. It's been yes, ma'am. Okay, for everybody else... I will see you next time, and always remember when words fail, music speaks. Bye, guys. <laughs>